0: THE FOLLOWING PROGRAM IS SPONSORED BY FRIENDS OF LIFE OUTREACH INTERNATIONAL. CHRISTIANS ARE NOW LIVING IN A SOCIETY THAT SOMETIMES SEES
1: CHRISTIANITY AS IRRELEVANT AND EXTREME. SO YOU CAN UNDERSTAND THE DIVIDE IN AMERICAN CULTURE RIGHT NOW IS THAT HALF OF THE COUNTRY THINKS THERE'S LITERALLY RIGHT AND WRONG. THE OTHER HALF SAYS, HEY, RIGHT AND WRONG IS SORT OF DECIDED BY ME IN THE MOMENT, WHATEVER I'M FEELING. AND SO YOU CAN QUICKLY SEE WHY ARE WE HAVING SUCH TENSION, CLASHING? Gabe Lyons helps us demonstrate good faith, next on Life Today.
0: Thank you.
2: Thank you very much. And all of you, thanks for joining us. I'm James Robinson, and my wife, Betty, and I welcome you to life today. Gabe Lyons is with us. He has a meeting with young leaders that's called Q, and that is for question and questions, because there's plenty of them. Here's a book where he took many of the things that he's observed, and along with a very gifted communicator writer, David Kinnaman, wrote this book called Good Faith. Subheading being a Christian when society thinks or at least seem to think that as a Christian you're irrelevant and you are extreme. You you don't matter anymore. Uh, would you welcome the author Gabe Lyons who founded Q. We're glad to have you back. Gabe, you're a real friend. Thank you, Gabe. And uh, I think you go back. You, you, you heard me years ago when you were at... Uh, Thomas Road Baptist and, and Liberty right. and you watched Dr. Falwell and me and others try to have influence. And yep. then you saw how sometimes uh, we can perhaps be misappropriated or applied when our, in our influence. And it looked like, and this is what I've said, and I wrote in Indivisible, the book I wrote with Jay Richards, that I watched the, quote, religious right. I watched it appear to be an arm or an appendage of a political party rather than a standard bearer to all political parties, candidates and citizens, because that is the role of the church, which doesn't mean you can't participate in a party, be active in it and trying to always bring it back to center and back to biblical truth as a Christian. That's our responsibility. Mm -hmm. And I was willing to admit that, but you watched it from the inside, right? Yeah. yeah. You saw some things that did concern you. Am I right about that? As
1: a kid, I mean, well, I mean, some things concern me as I reflected on it later, but I have to say, I I have such respect for you, for Dr. Falwell in my life, because I know God used weekly, I mean, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, Prophetically calling the church to engage our culture, which they should, and yeah, and 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 I think the only the only things I've learned a, along the way is just only engaging in the political space mm-hmm. could could be a mistake if yes. that's the only place you're focused, and then right. we have to engage in media, entertainment, education, the social sector, yeah. And but so, don't
2: dismiss yourself from responsibility as to what's going on in the country. That's right, because it determines the future, the policies, the laws that are passed. We labor under them, or we're blessed by them, or burdened terribly by them so we really need to participate but we need to participate in all areas which is what light does it pierces all darkness that's right all right so we're in agreement on that Right. you're a young guy I'm an older guy (laughs) now in good faith it seems like the church in a lot of people's eyes have lost the culture war a lot of people say they have we've lost you know Supreme Court doesn't even make the right decisions Mm -hmm. about simple things like marriage Mm -hmm. or about sexuality and there's this incredible movement that seems to be saying we're going to redefine right and wrong it would seem to me as a Bible preacher and believer that what is being demanded by much of the culture is that we move the standards that God yeah. say are reliable, essential, important, meaningful. So now we're either going to move them or discard them. Is yeah.
1: that what it seems that the culture saying? That is what's happening. I mean, I think Christians are feeling the fact that they're on the outside of the cultural consensus about a lot of these Social issues same-sex marriage, you know discussions around gender and what it means to be man or woman Discussions about religious freedom, you know, there's so many of these discussions where Christians for a long time We did hold sort of the power in those discussions and there was a consensus that we were on the right side of history And now the whole world saying no wait Christians you're on the wrong side of history Catch up with the times and as soon as you do you know the better off you'll be and we'll all be and what we're saying in this project, in this book, is, is we as Christians have to maintain our confidence in Scripture, confidence in the truth of God's Word that supersedes what the times say to and us. And the uh, principles
2: absolutely. that God says are important, let's say foundation stones. Jesus yeah. seemed to call it building your life on a solid, unshakable God. rock, even when the storms that are sure to
1: come do in fact come. That's right. And I think we're feeling some of those storms in American life. The church is. Certainly compared to other countries and other groups of Christians around the world, we probably aren't feeling quite the storms that many people are feeling. I think it's important to but it's keep that in context. it's building. It is building. Mm-hmm. It's building. It's a different kind of, of, of marginalization, I think, that, that people are feeling. And I But I think it's important to walk into that with joy. Mm-hmm. To, to look at this moment as a missionary moment. Like we're in it a is. new age where We have to put on a little bit of a different skill set, different talent, a different way of looking at the world the way Jesus sees the world and not just assume people believe what we believe or care what we think because they really don't. And that's Mm -hmm. what the research is showing. They think faith's irrelevant. They think faith really doesn't matter much to their life. Religion's kind of bad for the world. And so as a result, we have to be the church in the midst of that. So the question is, how do we do that? How do we do that with joy but also conviction? This is this is one of those tensions that we have to work through. And I think, James, you you and Betty have modeled this incredibly well over the years, that you have joy in the midst of trial, but you also have good faith. You you actually demonstrate this, you practice what good faith shows up in. It cares for the orphans, it cares for it's not just this empty religion. It cares for the it, overlooked it, and the forgotten. That's right. And and so A lot of this is just getting back to basics, and I think it can be a blessing to the church to remember that in some ways we've maybe gotten off track from Mm -hmm. from what it looks like to be the church, and some of this pressure is going to force us back into what does it really mean to be Christian? What does it mean to be a citizen of the kingdom of God? Even as I'm a citizen of of this nation, I I have a higher citizenship that I have to recognize and has to play out in my life.
3: And well, I think we've decided uh, sometimes in our world that we want to change what used to be principle. Yeah. Uh, right. We want to change right and wrong. What right. we used to consider wrong, yeah. we want it to be okay. Yeah. Whatever. Whatever you feel good about. Right. And there's really not anything wrong. Yeah. If. if if it's okay
1: with you. Well, 50% of Americans agree, believe that. They, they believe there is no moral right or wrong. So you can understand the divide in American culture right now is that half of the country thinks there's literally right and wrong. The other half says, hey, right and wrong sort of decided by me in the moment, whatever I'm feeling. And so you can quickly see why are we having such Classic. tension, <laughs> clashing? Um, where is this problem? And I think for Christians, then the, the way forward is to say, How do I live with my courage and conviction in these principles and understanding what is right and wrong, but still love my neighbor who doesn't agree and doesn't start from this same foundation? That's a new moment in Mm -hmm. American life. You're saying in the book that there is good faith and good standards.
2: How we present those to others who see it differently and who don't even like the church. Many people who have an issue with same-sex attraction, they feel like the church is the biggest problem they've got, the biggest enemy. They don't like it. They feel like there's terrible opposition and tension. It shouldn't be that way. Now, here's what I contend. There's not a single one of us on this planet that's not a center, that hasn't got weaknesses, and we have failed. We've all missed the mark. End of that discussion. The point is, we still admit there's a mark and a standard we missed. So there's something to get back to. But what brings us back to it, not condemnation, and a sense that people don't like us or want us. We have to be able to come with any defeat or area of weakness in our life, any addiction or compulsive behavior yeah. that we know simply doesn't line up with mm-hmm. a sensible standard or principles that are undeniable. We need to feel like we can come to somebody who loves us. Right. I get the impression that people have same-sex attraction, have never felt like they could get that love that their mm-hmm. heart is actually crying out for. Right. It. And the last place they think they're going to get it is from the church. And yeah. too often they've been ostracized and ridiculed even more so than they were at school. That's right. Or in a public place. Is, am I right about
1: You're that? You're speaking the truth. That's right. And I think that's what we find today is that the church is the last place someone who's experiencing same-sex attraction or a gay orientation wants to go have that conversation. They see the church as a pariah. They, they see the church as a place that has, in many ways, preyed on them over over the years to say, you're one of the worst kinds of sinners. Um, We don't want to have children in our church who are feeling that way or talking that way or thinking that way. We don't want to have any adults around our children because of fear. And instead of embracing them in love and saying, hey, like you, I've had my own experiences with brokenness. That's the story of being a human being. It's the story of all of us being disordered intrinsically. And that part of the gospel is that it helps us properly order our loves and to know where christ sits and that our identity's found in him but they can't do that alone and so in a lot of ways the church has to repent for how we've handled this. Right. We've handled
2: their sin so differently than we do the fact that we've got people sitting in church with all kind of out of control compulsive behavior and That's practices. That's right. We've got people <laughs> addicted to various substances or alcohol. They're closet alcoholics. Yeah. They know they're defeated but they come and sit in church. We don't try to ostracize them. We want to lead them to a better way or a freedom. And we got people who are shacked up together so to speak. They're living right. together. Right. And yet they sit there every week and we don't necessarily try to point them out. Yeah. We want to draw them out and into a right relationship but they can still sit there and not feel like we're just being branded. Yeah. And something has to happen because here's the deal. Most of the people watching us on television either have family, somebody in close family relationship or in their family or in their neighborhood or their community or someone they're at work with or someone they know who has this this attraction. We would call it from a biblical standpoint, a challenge and a problem. Mm -hmm. It is missing the standard and we need to move in a correct way. How we address that person, how we help the father and the mother or the grandparents who have a child in the family that's got this battle. We ought to welcome the fact that they could say, I have an issue and be glad they might call it an issue rather than saying, you got the issue, I don't have a problem, I'm not listening. Because that's what's happening, Gabe. They're Um, totally cutting us off.
1: Yeah, Or we've we've, cut ourselves off. I think we've cut ourselves off. And I think most people don't know how to approach this. They don't know how to balance this understanding of truth and what they know to be right and what they know to be true and true to scripture um, the basic sexual ethic ethic that sex is meant to be between a man and a woman inside of a covenant marriage otherwise we're to remain celibate this goes not just for people with same-sex attraction but anybody who's single we we all at one point in our life were single uh, and and one day will be single again so so we have to understand how to live in this way But we haven't opened up our fellowship to help those who have same-sex attraction know that we need each other. That we we can
2: love them without approving, necessarily, the lifestyle or the practice. And somehow convince them. Now you've been talking to the leaders in this community, right? Yeah, yeah. Have you been able to convince them that you legitimately care about them as an individual, even though you differ? And by the way, do you tell them that you differ with the
1: practice? Yeah, so when I'm in close relationships with, with several people who are gay, there's a, and even leaders, in, right? In leaders the gay gay in the gay movement. Mm-hmm. And and there's clarity on that we have a theological difference about what's best and and what's right. Um, that there's love there. That we're able to express why we have a difference in what you? we think. Absolutely. You've convinced them. Yeah.
2: And are you trying to let them know that you'd still like to see them from your point of view, freed from what you might see as something that's holding them in some sort of bondage?
1: Well, in my relationship with them, um, they know that that's my desire, that, that I have a view that I think what's best for them is to actually find that love not in the arms of, of another person of the same sex, but it's to find it in their relationship with God. It's then to find it in, in healthy friendships that aren't sexualized. Um, and so in knowing that, they know that I care, care for their best. But they also know that we can get along, even if we have that disagreement, that there's other other areas in which we can still be friends. We can still have honest conversations. We can still enjoy time together. They can still come over to my house and hang out with my family. Um, be in real relationship with people, um, even if you disagree with with something that's part of their lifestyle. I mean, this is what Jesus does all the time. When we look at the New Testament, we see him sharing meals constantly with people who might be out of step with what he would say Drugers is best. And sinners, that's yeah. he hung out with. What's wrong with him? An adulterous woman at the well in Samaria. I mean,
2: the, well, the Luke man, 7, went, yeah, or sitting yeah. with a Pharisee and a prostitute <laughs> at his feet. For heaven's sake, yes.
1: what'd that do for his reputation? Yeah, and like Simon the Pharisee in that story in Luke seven, you know, he sees a woman throw himself at Jesus' feet and put his hair and perfume, and I mean, that would have looked like completely <laughs> inappropriate place, conduct. Out of, out of, absolutely. Um, and yet Jesus still. Uh, embraces this woman and and says to her, he knows that she has these sins, but he loves her. He expresses love to her that says, I know where it you've been. And was transforming love. It was.
2: And, and here's what we would say, t- and, and tell me if you, you agree with me, yeah. to those who are trapped with any compulsive behavior that's in some way holding them within a grip, that is not in line with nature's law, nature's God, biblical truth in yeah. love, that there is a need to be freed. So you don't have to feel condemned but you don't also have to feel condoned
1: in the lifestyle. Is right. there a fine line that the church needs to learn how to walk? There is a fine line. I mean, I think in our culture today, the word love has turned to mean something like just affirmation, that if you love somebody, you sort of pat them on the back and say, hey, whatever your desires are, wherever you want to We're go, with you. I'm, I'm with you, and that's love. But biblical love says, no, you lay down your life for a friend. It's, it's, tell them the truth. You're willing to tell the truth because you know that decisions they're making could lead to destruction. It's not going to lead to their flourishing. And so uh, the church has... Not done a great job of walking through that line. We, we tend to be way more comfortable sort of making these judgments, proclaiming what Cutting we know to off, be true and say, hey, out. get in line or, or go away. I think in, in a new generation, there's, there's no way we can get away um, fr- from doing that. And it's a blessing to the church to say, no, we actually have to know how to talk with people who are disagreeing, who are coming to our churches, who are experiencing same-sex attractions. They need to know that within our church, they can find community. They can find friends. I want to ask if you think you see some positive progress among Christians. I do. I mean, I have seen in the next generation... A-
2: progress without compromise.
1: Yeah, absolutely. People who are, who are remaining convicted are willing to talk about these topics and have these difficult conversations. I know with, with Q, we just created this whole uh, podcast series called The Gay Conversation, where 25 voices, evangelicals, Christian leaders, some who have same-sex attraction, some who disagree with us, came together to say, we gotta have a real conversation about that, where we're not compromising historic belief, but saying, hey, we need to do better, and here's how we should think about this well. And, and so I'm encouraged that people are willing to talk about it, because for a long time, People have tried, tried to basically avoid this topic. You know, if we
2: could talk about this kind of topic in a, in a reasonable fashion, come to the table of reason, in love, for the benefit of all, maybe we could get Congress to the table of reason.
1: Yeah.
2: Now that might be a yeah. stretch, <laughs> mightn't it? But you know what I really believe? If we don't come to the table of reason, we're gonna live at the table of suicide mm-hmm. because we're gonna destroy our future if we don't learn how to sit down and to reason together. And let me just say this to you. One of the things that should disturb every gay rights activist, is the total unkindness and the brutal assault that comes on people. Let's just take like our friend, Dr. Michael Brown. Yeah. He has encouraged dialogue, even open debate, which he can't seem to get gays willing to do that openly. And the things that I read that is said about this man who's simply asking questions like you are, mm-hmm. do you ever have those ugly things said about you? Um, uh, it's happening more and more. All right, well, see that to me, that's too, that's sad. In other words, what they're saying, we need to adjust in our attitude in the Christian community. What about a little adjustment on the other side? to where we can try to have some understanding of the struggle. I see it as a struggle. I see it as a battle on all sides. I don't see room for us to compromise the Word of God, Mm -hmm. change the truth into a lie, and see all people given over to depraved thinking to where they can't even determine right from wrong, and that's where we're headed. Would you in another program talk a little bit more in depth about how we realistically and with wisdom Deal with what many people are facing right here with their own family, and their hearts are broken. One man said, who was a very successful businessman, said something that pierced my heart. I had just spoken to a whole group of businessmen about how we need to love people in the gay community or with any area of defeat, any area of any kind of bondage or problem that's pressing to have love. And I brought up the homosexual issue of how much we need to love them. And this man, when I got through, he said, can I say something? And this highly successful businessman stood up and looked at all the men in that room. And then he turned and looked back at me. He said, if you have trouble loving someone that's gay, you need one in your family. Hmm. My son just told me he's gay. Hmm. And I need to know yeah. that we can love him. Mm-hmm. And that we love him, yeah. not just that dad and that family. Right. So I want to say to all of you, not just with this issue in your family somewhere, there are lots of issues. And in God's sight, one issue is not bigger than the other. The heterosexual sins that are there are just as grave and great and damaging Mm -hmm. many times because they seem to be justifiable too easily. All these things that we do, and all of us miss the mark. Let's just go ahead and admit it. We miss the mark. But are we willing to admit we missed it and come back to the one who can forgive and cleanse? Would you talk to me in another program? Do you appreciate Gabe being here and willing to talk about these very difficult and challenging issues? Would you say thanks to Gabe for his help? Would you do that? Mm -hmm. Gabe, one of the things that the viewers of life today are incredible about is looking out and seeing a very real need. Mm -hmm. And with love and legitimate compassion and expression, they reach out with the arms of God. I want you to look right now, and I want you to see if this isn't a place that you're anxious to reach out with love and say, I can correct that challenge. Watch.
4: Just a few minutes ago, we rolled into this village, a very small village. I asked how many lived in this village in an estimate of over 500 people. Then we asked any women that had lost a child to come over And here they are. This group of women have lost over 150 children. It's not a club you want to be in. It's just not right. They died because they didn't have enough food. Nowhere in our world today should women expect to lose a child, to malnutrition, for lack of food. I just went past each one of these ladies and ask them individually to show me how many babies they've lost. To lose one child would devastate you for life. But these women together lost 150, many five, many over five. I went one by one and looked each woman in their eye and held the fingers of the number of children they lost. And I said, please heal them, Lord, and please don't let another child die in this village. She's less eight children. I mean, can you see in her eyes? We as a body of believers are for justice. And part of justice is making things like this stop, making the death cycle in a village like this stop. And if we have in our ability to change something, we should do it. We must do it and be a part of making this cycle
2: end. Betty, when you see that and you listen to Janice, I wish you could know Janice and just see the continual flow of God's love. And when you see what she's expressing for these precious women, I can't even imagine anyone watching not saying, I wanna help stop that. I wanna wanna save some of those children for those precious mothers.
3: Well, you know, James, loss of a child is devastating. We know personally we lost a child. And it breaks the heart of a mother to lose one. I can't even imagine that one woman that lost eight. Why, though? Because of a lack of food and the, the starvation. And, you know, there's some things that happen that we can't. Change we can't do anything about, but this is something we can make a difference in. We can change the lives of these mothers and their precious babies. They can enjoy their babies because they have the food they need to eat. Won't you join with us and let's reach out and help these mothers to help their babies? Please join with us.
2: You know, Betty, you referenced our daughter Robin, and I'm going to say this, and I know this, I'm positive about it. And by the way, thank you. Uh, it's been three years now, and. Uh, you'll have no way of knowing how much just your care and your prayers for us means to us because it's it's a tough journey. But I promise you, I know this. Had we looked at the television camera and said, our daughter's fighting this disease, and if you would just do this, if you just do this, our daughter would be well. There's not a one of you that wouldn't do it. I know you would have. Because you would say to Betty and James, We love you, and we're going to help you, and we'll do it, and you would. Okay, now listen to me. We couldn't find a cure. The miracle didn't come for our daughter. This is a miracle that's 100% guaranteed. All these little hungry children need is the nourishment and food. It's a positive, 100% effective cure. Express my love. If you will simply enable us to put the food in the hands of those missionaries and relief workers, they will deliver it to those children, those families in love and their life will be turned around and saved. Now here's the beautiful thing that God does. Several of our donors said, we'll match whatever people give for 50,000 of those 400,000 that you have to raise the funds for. That means we'll double the effect of what people do right now. Would you do this? 30, 50 or 100 would enable us to feed three, five, or 10 children for the next months with what these friends are doing, it will double that amount. Three to six, $50 goes to not five, but 10. $100 goes beyond 10 to 20, 100. $1,000 goes from 100 to 200. Would you right now go to lifetoday.org and take your bank card and prayerfully make the gift God puts on your heart. No gift is too small because we're giving life. Father, I pray everyone watching will simply be moved by your spirit to give what you put on their heart and that you've enabled them to gladly do, to cheerfully and joyfully give in Jesus' name. Thank you. Lifetoday.org. Use that bank card like a check or dial the number and make the gift God puts on your heart. Thank you so much for doing it. And thanks to our friends for matching your gift because of the love of God.
0: In remote and impoverished areas of Angola, Africa, families are suffering, crops have failed, there is no food, and those hit the hardest are the children. In response to this crisis, Life Outreach has received a 50,000 children challenge that, with your help, will feed and minister to 100,000 children over the next few months. With previous food reserves gone and Angola facing a severe food shortage due to crop failure, this challenge could not have come at a better time to help replenish supplies for the feeding programs touching the lives of children across Angola, Mozambique and Sudan. The 50,000 Children Challenge means more children can be saved and your gift will have a double impact, helping to feed twice as many children. Your gift of $30 to help feed three children will now be double to help feed six children. Gifts of $50 to help feed five children will be double to help save 10. And gifts of $100 for 10 children will be double to help feed and care for 20 children. And with a gift of $1,000 or more, you can double your impact to help feed 200 children and also request the Majesty Bronze Sculpture featuring a beautiful buck in regal stance, reflecting God's presence and majesty in all the earth. Please call the number seen here, write life, or go online today to lifetoday.org and make your life saving double impact gift today.
2: You know, many of you have said you don't need to send us anything for our gifts, and I understand that. This beautiful, majesty bronze, God's creation, how majestic it is, how majestic he is. Uh, we'll send you, if you'll get, make a gift of $1,000, and that'll be doubled. And we're just saying thanks, but uh, all you need is to know we made a difference. Join us in thanking Gabe Lyons again. He's gonna be back with us, and we're gonna talk about some of the serious issues that the church faces. Gabe, thank you. Thank I appreciate you very thank much. Thank you. Visit stream.org, would you? And let us give you some inspiration and some insight.
0: On Life Today. Inspirational author and speaker Christine Kane challenges us to change our posture so that we can move past our past. Life Today is made possible by the supporters of Life Outreach International. Your gift will be used exclusively for the exempt purposes of life. The ministry features specific outreaches as examples of the programs it supports and conducts. Gifts are considered to be without restriction as to
1: use unless explicitly stipulated by the donor. The ministry is a member of the ECFA.